Welcome to the Good Fight Radio Show, a program dedicated to bringing you vital and uncompromised truths that you won't hear in the mainstream media, discussing contemporary issues in light of the Bible and how these issues relate to family, culture, and the church. The heart of this show is to glorify Jesus Christ and expose the works of darkness as he is commanded in Ephesians 5.11. Now here's your host, Good Fight Ministries' own Chad Davidson. Welcome back to the Good Fight Radio Show. I'm your host, Chad Davidson of Good Fight Ministries. And with me, as always, is the president and founder of Good Fight Ministries and pastor of Blessed Hope Chapel in Simi Valley, California, Pastor Joe Schimmel. How are we doing today? I'm praising our amazing God, brother. <laughs> Amen. A lot of that. reasons to do that, right? Amen. And, I, you know, we haven't done that intro in a little bit. Uh, yeah. We have been both gone. You actually gone because of an injury, but you've been working Hard at our new Marvel series. Marvel which, DC, actually. Right? Marvel DC. See, I'm look at all the updates. That totally we're better than that. But, yeah. <laughs> but uh, and I was in Costa Rica and uh, Joe was injured. So I got to partake in doing a lot of the preaching that Joe had planned on doing. So uh, my voice is gone. Thank you, brother. You did a great job. <laughs> you it. God is good. And uh, we were just, we had a blessed time. So I want to thank for all of our viewers that I know we were getting text messages. I was getting emails, um, also even Instagram, people saying, hey, we haven't had a show in a while, so we're excited to be back. And we have a really, really important topic to discuss today. So I'm excited to dig right in with Pastor Joe on this. I don't want to give too long of an intro, but I want to say thank you guys who did pray for us, those uh, also who are subscribed on Patreon to us, patreon.com slash goodfight. Thank you guys so much, uh, because Joe, you got to, you know what, let's get a little update, because they should get an update. You had a chance because of the way the Lord worked it out, I do believe that uh, you being able to stay home and still having people able to preach at our home fellowship in terms of Blessed Hope Chapel, and then us going out there to Costa Rica, you were able to sit and stay and work on Marvel DC for the entire duration while we were gone. Yeah, it was absolutely, uh, since you bring it up, a huge blessing. Uh, I plan on going, and I hiking in the Sequoia Mountains, uh, messed up my Achilles tendon a little bit, getting older, so... That stuff happens a little bit more lately, I noticed. And it got pretty messed up and had it on ice too long. Got this huge blister, and I could barely put my foot down. And yet my wife was like, man, I'm so glad you didn't come when she was up there because she said, we're walking all over the place and standing around. You wouldn't be able to do it. Uh, But at the same time, I have to be honest because part of me was like torn. And I love going on mission trips, but I wanted to finish Marvel, the Marvel DC deal. And I juggle a lot of preaching, a lot of counseling, and it's hard to get those chunks of time to actually finish what's been burning on my heart and we have have over two hours uh committed to video already and it's already edited close, already yeah. edited yeah. yeah and so it's pretty close and i thought man and then when that happened the timing i just felt it was of the lord because i was like tell my wife i go the timing's amazing because i have people set up to preach for me this next two weeks because i was going to be on the mission trip and now since i can't make it i don't have to get my messages ready i'm not over there so I was able to chain myself to my desk for two weeks, and I can't believe how much I got done. So we're getting really close, and I'm like praising God for that. So what? The enemy means for evil. Not that the enemy was involved in my foot going, getting messed up for a little bit, which is, thank the Lord, fine right now. Uh, but the Lord works everything for the good, so including mishaps like that. Amen. And I, and I bring that up because uh, the truth is that we've been able to bring on Josh full-time now for a few months working on that documentary. And it's the reason why we're able to also have these on video because of how backed up Tony gets. So yeah. and a lot of that is because of our Patreon page. People yeah. have come and Tony subscribed. used to be our videographer and had a couple different guys. And Tony will still do some of that. But he's 
jack of all trades again now. So it's like, wow, how are we going to work this out? So praise God for our Patreons because when you see that thing come out, you can know that you had a big part of uh, getting that together because, and, and you know, sourcing and everything as far as, you know, finances and prayer and everything because we believe it's going to impact a lot of souls. Oh, yeah. and, and that's what it's about is teaming up and uh, can't thank you guys enough because uh, otherwise uh, we'd be slow boat to China because Tony would be trying to do what I do, juggle everything and get the video done. Yeah, so. no, and we actually wouldn't have moved our podcast show to video like it is today. Um, we wouldn't have been able to because of how much work uh, Josh, when yeah. he finished these, goes immediately directly and starts working on them because it doesn't. it's not a short thing when you're doing video. Audio can be a little easier. So, you know, praise God for that and praise God for Tony and, and the whole team we've been trying to pour into this. And I guess that segues really well because we were out on the streets of Costa Rica. And what we did, as he mentioned, we were walking around because we were going door to door sharing the gospel. We also did what was supposed to be a four day, but turned into a five day conference at a church in Hako. And it was amazing. We had a blessed time. I don't want to go too far into that, but we were out sharing the gospel on the streets. And one of the great verses for not only gospel sharing, but for apologetics, and we consider Good Fight Ministries an apologetics ministry. So one of the things we do is we look at 1 Peter 3.15, right? This is probably the cornerstone verse for those who are involved in apologetics. And I'll, I'll read the verse to start, and then we'll talk a little bit about kind of going through the verse, because it says, But sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts, always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is within you, yet with gentleness and reverence. And as I said, the main part, the main portion that is typically taken out of that verse is the Greek word that is used for a defense. Yes, we obviously don't want to talk about apologetics as if we're saying sorry. We're sorry we're believers. We're not sorry that we've come to know the true God. Uh, but the fact is we're ready to give a defense. We're going to talk a little bit more about that. But that's typically the place where most people start and finish. And I'd say every single apologetics conference I've ever been to, that verse was somewhere on the walls, right? And I think with good reason, sure. obviously with really good reason. But I think there's obviously more here going on in First Peter chapter 3. This is the verse, uh, this is the entire book that we went through, as well as Second Peter, while we were in Costa Rica. And uh, so it was really great because when we got home, Wednesday night study, the first night study at Blessed Hope Chapel, Joe is teaching on First Peter 3, and he touches on almost every chapter, I think every chapter in First Peter. So I know a lot of the guys around the trip were really blessed by it too. But I'd love for you to dig in a little bit more about what, even though the focus a lot of times is on this idea of apologetics, but there's something else I think uh, that should be the focus as well. Yeah, we want to talk about how to share our faith, and uh, we can be encouraged. We, people can encourage us, and that's a blessing. But the best place to go, of course, to be encouraged the most, as far as to accurately share our faith, is the Scripture. We have to have the content of what we're going to share, which is the gospel. Which we talk a lot about the true gospel of Christ. Uh, but the Scriptures tell us in three fifteen of First Peter. That yes, we are to give an answer. We're supposed to be ready always to give an answer to everyone. Ponty, which is everyone. The gospel is for everyone. It's good news for everyone. Uh, but like you said, Chad, a lot of people, uh, and us, all of us to a degree, when we look at 315, we'll zero in on having an answer. You know, to be, you know, just frank, you know, uh, a lot of people get are really freaked out when they got to share their faith. And they're yeah. told, man, I got to share my faith. How do I do it? I'm, they get scared and what have you. And I let them know that, Two of the most incredible, most impacting. Moses was, you know, the law of Moses, you know. He said, I can't speak, you know. 
he, he went to the Lord and he's the humblest man on earth and he felt like he couldn't even talk. And the Lord said, I'll be with your mouth. And I love that because in the New Testament, Paul is actually, you know, ridiculed because of his speaking ability or lack thereof in some people's minds. Or I should say, they say he has weighty letters because he writes strong, but his physical presence is weak. Although when you go to the book of Acts, <laughs> obviously the Holy Spirit <laughs> filled him at times because he's also very bold at times. Amen. In fact, he was very, very bold. But he said, pray for me that God would give me boldness. So one thing we want to encourage you when you're sharing your faith is, is making sure the content is right. You know the gospel of Jesus Christ, but also making sure you're prayed up. Uh, if Paul needed prayer for boldness, how much more do we, you know? Because this guy seemed so bold, but yeah, he was when he was empowered by the Lord, you know? And what a, he says, follow me as I follow Christ. And he was asking people to pray for him. We ask you, please uh, pray for the expose we're doing on Marvel in D.C. Uh, we, I, I'm telling you right now, telling you right now, it is just going to blow you away. You're going to be just like, even if you, you, you kind of know, because we've talked about a few things, maybe you've seen things here and there, it's going to put it all together. And I look at it, I'm like, wow, this is like, they sold their souls for rock and roll. But it's like about Marvel in DC. But it's, it's hard to explain. It's just mind-boggling how, how clear it is. And it's strong evidence to, to show that there's a spiritual world and that there is a spiritual war and that people are being conditioned to receive the coming Antichrist. And a lot of these writers we show are into the demonic world and, and being used to channel demons as they write a lot of these, uh, these, these uh, you know, comics and so forth that have become the, the, the biggest franchise in Hollywood's history, the Marvel, uh, you know, the Marvel uh, Cinematic you know, Marvel Universe. And uh, DC is now with Justice League and so forth. Same deal is going on. But... We want to encourage you to, there's a lot of ways you can share your faith. There's a lot of ways you can prove the Bible. In the next episode, it's going to be on, you know, ask, ask, answering a question. Someone asked, how do you prove the Bible is the Word of God? We're going to have several episodes on that through the next year or so, or maybe more, as how you can prove the Scripture to be the Word of God, because there's so much evidence. Uh, but as far as this particular verse, verse 15, when it comes to how to share the faith, it's it's calling us to give a defense. But if we don't, if we miss what he's saying about how to give that defense in that verse, a lot of people look at the verse and say, yeah, I've got to give a defense. Apologetics, man, I've got to know, you know, how to answer the atheist and how to answer the Darwinist, you know, how to answer the humanist, how to answer the postmodern, how to answer the new ager, you know, the people with, you know, the new spirituality. I've got to answer this person, that person, uh, the people in, in the, the Nietzsche or whoever. And we start looking at those things and it's good to, and we encourage study to show yourselves approved, the word of God, of course, know what the world's looking at and what they're believing and what they're teaching. Paul does that in Acts chapter 17. It's real clear. He's very aware of what they were teaching, knew how to refute it. But there's something going on here that's so heavy that'll be so helpful for you. And that is putting uh, Christ first. That is making sure when you, before you even, you're not going to be ready to give an answer the way the Lord wants you to unless you are exalting Christ in your heart. In fact, that spread out in the text very clearly. It says, but sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts, okay? Always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks to you to give an account for the hope that is in you, yet with gentleness and reverence. There's a lot being said there. So don't just look at that verse and go, wait, yeah, I'm supposed to have an answer. We want to actually obey what God commands us here, and we're not going to be able to give the defense that we need to give unless we put Christ first, because he says literally, but sanctify Christ as a Lord in your hearts, okay? Now, it's interesting here, and this is just fascinating uh, to me, is we say, yeah, okay, Christ is going to be Lord of my hearts. What does it mean for him to be Lord? Uh, <laughs> Lord, the word kurios in the Greek, kurios is used over and over again as Jesus. That's used as a synonym, or I should say as a Greek, uh, the Greek word is used in the New Testament 
often in reference to Jesus being Yahweh, being God Almighty. In fact, throughout the Old Testament, we don't have time to develop this theme other than what I'm going to show you next, which is basically, you know, really poignant. Uh, The Apostle Paul over and over again uh, quoted the Old Testament and quoted statements that are about Yahweh, which is translated Lord often, but because it's a tetragrammaton, Y-H-W-H, we don't know what the vowels are, but we say Yahweh often, we don't know exactly, maybe there's a vowel before the Y, we don't know exactly how it's pronounced, but that's pretty pretty cool uh, pronunciation as far as we know. Yahweh, uh, well, when you're talking about Yahweh in the Old Testament, that's when you see L-O-R-D in the Old Testament, all caps. There's Y-H-W-H, the tetragrammaton behind that English translation. When you see capital L, then just, you know, small case O-R-D, it's usually like Adonai, you know, and so forth. But when we see Paul quoting scriptures from there about, and, and, and saying, this is Jesus, we're saying, wow, he's saying that he's Yahweh. Well, that's what's happening right here in the text before us. In First Peter 3.15, Peter does this also in First Peter 2.4. You don't have time to develop that either. But in 1 Peter 3.15, it says, But sanctify Christ uh, in your heart, always being ready. He's quoting from the Greek translation of the Old Testament in Isaiah. And in the English translation of chapter 8, verses 13 and 14, Septuagint, we actually a chapter earlier in the LXX, or Septuagint, we read, It is the Lord of hosts whom you should regard as holy. So you regard him as holy, as he shall be your fear, and he shall be your, your, your dread. Then you shall uh, become a sanctuary, actually a place of safety amidst the, the storm that's coming because the Syrians are going to come in and take the northern kingdom because of their sin. But he's talking to this remnant that needs to seek him. But uh, he says, But to both the house of Israel, a stone to strike and a rock to stumble over, a snare and a trap to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, which is very interesting because he's calling this, the Lord here is going to be a stumbling stone. And Peter deals with that as well in 1 Peter chapter 2. Now, it's interesting because as we look at this text, it's fascinating because he's actually quoting, Peter is, from the Greek Septuagint, which is the Greek translation of the Old Testament. And this is fascinating. And just kind of hold your hold your seat. I mean, just think about this because this is profound for me and I think hopefully for you as well because he's basically telling them uh, to consecrate themselves to the Lord, to set the Lord as, you know, sanctify the Lord in your heart. In the Septuagint, verse 13 would say, although you have to go like a chapter earlier, if you have, I have the Septuagint at my house, and uh, this, uh, it's hard to explain that, but it says, quote, consecrate the Lord himself and he will be your fear. And the word Lord is Yahweh. So Peter is saying, listen, this is what matters. He's saying, sanctify the Lord in your hearts. And the Greek words are, uh, he's basically saying, sanctify Jesus as Yahweh in your heart. And why this matters so much is before you can really give an answer, you first and foremost need need to know who Jesus is. Before Abraham was, I am. He's the I am. He's Yahweh. Uh, If you do not believe that I am, you will die in your sins. Uh, uh, Outside of the pale of orthodoxy, you have the cults who deny that Jesus is is God. So to be a, a, a good apologist, to be one who is to give an answer, you need to make sure you magnify the Lord Jesus Christ as Yahweh in your hearts. And you need to recognize that uh, he is Yahweh, that there's no rival thrones. Uh, you can't be first. You can't put money first. You can't put wealth first. You can't put notoriety first. You can't uh, put uh, the sensuality, anything. You can't, lovers of self, they'll be in the last days. We have to make sure Christ is first if we're going to be prepared to give an answer for the hope that is in us. Because 
He literally lives in us, our hope, Jesus, amen? And he's not just conceptually hope, he's a person who lives in us, the hope of glory. And I think it's imperative that we realize the Bible says to live as Christ. Paul says in Philippians 1.21, to live as Christ and to die as gain. That's what it has to be. Jesus has to be everything for you, man. It has to be your all in all. To live, my life is all about Jesus. If I'm to die, well, praise God, my life is all about Jesus. To live as Christ, to die as gain. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And as Paul said, the life I now live, I, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. But right before he said that, he says, no longer I that live, but it's life that's Christ that lives in me, right? So it's imperative that we recognize that Christ is first in our lives. And that's a big one because most people read that. I'd say 99% of Christians or more, and they'll miss the fact that he's declaring that Jesus be sanctified as Yahweh in our hearts. And that's where we start with apologetics is putting Christ first. And by the way, I should get in the broader context because really quickly goes on to say, uh, they'll be saying conspiracy, conspiracy. He says, don't freak out. Don't fear what they're fearing. And I don't have time to get into it, but if you read the verses right before chapter uh, 2, or chapter 3, verse 15, verses 12, 13, and 14, and right after, it's talking about persecution. And here the Assyrians are coming, and people are freaking out. Conspiracy, conspiracy. Yeah, there's a conspiracy. In the Isaiah They're coming text. In the yeah. Isaiah text, right? Mm-hmm. And he's saying, don't freak out. Let the Lord, regard the Lord is holy. Let him be your, your fear, right? Well, when you go to Peter, guess what? Massive persecution, right, against the church. Peter's, the context is ready to the persecuted church that's scattered around throughout Asia Minor and elsewhere. And he's saying to these guys, hey, don't freak out. Let the Lord be your fear, you know? Uh, let, regard him as holy and don't regard, don't, don't, you know, freak out on what's going on around you. That's what you need to do to get your eyes off of man and not to be concerned about even people killing you because that's a context too. What can man harm you? What can he do to you? You know, trust the Lord. So if your focus is Jesus first and you're seeking the Lord, you're when I go witness, you know, I try to be prayed up and, yeah. and share the gospel. Lord, help me share the gospel. Give me strength. And I just get my focus on the Lord. And then I go out there. It's like you're focused on him. If you're focused on yourself, things in this world, it'd be harder to be a witness because you're going to be more self-conscious. In this case, you're concerned, concerned about even being killed at this point. And Jesus said, if they, you're going to put you to death. But he said, not one hair of your head will perish. We don't have to fear man because we have the resurrection. Yeah, amen. And I love, you know, with First Peter, as you said, First Peter 3.14, right before that, quoting from Isaiah 8, which you already quoted from Isaiah yeah. 8.12, you know, not to, to worry about that fear. And it's very interesting, if you read First Peter, uh, start to finish, some of the parallels that, per- that Peter makes immediately. When speaking of Rome, he calls it Babylon at the very end of First Peter. And then when you think of the very beginning of First Peter, it's their resident aliens, you yeah. know, so to speak. And so you have him kind of interplaying what was going on in Babylon with them under the captivity. And he's saying, this is kind of what we're having to deal with now in a very similar sense, uh, that we're under Rome and we're dealing with this persecution in the same way that the resident aliens at the time yeah. in Babylon that he points to back then. I do believe he, he points to a lot of pictures. I love First Peter, so we could be on that all day, just that verse. But but nonetheless, one of the things that people may, may wonder, because we talk about sanctification when it comes to us, and sanctification, we think of, oh, we're growing in the Lord, becoming more and more like Jesus. But it says to sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts. What does it mean to sanctify Christ? Yeah, that's, you know, that's important because how do we fulfill the command unless we understand uh, what, what that means? And again, when you understand the context, as you do, Chad, when, uh, like you just mentioned, verse 14, he's talking about not to fear. Go to uh, verses 12 and 13 of Rome, or uh, Isaiah 8. Yeah. Don't fear them. Then he says, regard me as holy, chapter 8 of Isaiah. And Peter's quoting the Septuagint, sanctify the Lord as, you know, Christ is Lord in our hearts, right? So 
sanctify the Greek word, as we know, Hebrew concept in the Old Testament, is means to set apart, to consecrate. Uh, they would set, they would count holy utensils. Uh, uh, you know, the, the 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 things that had to do with the temple were considered holy. Uh, the people were called to sanctify themselves in chapter twenty twenty one or so of Exodus. The people are called by the Lord through Moses to sanctify themselves, to be separate from that which is evil. Uh, but at the same time, he says, some of the priests there. And But then he says also, uh, after a couple of Aaron's sons are killed because of their wickedness, uh, it's really a radical scene. The Lord approaches, uh, he approaches, Moses uh, approaches at the Lord's instruction, Aaron. And he literally says, let me see, I wrote the verse down. Then Moses said to Aaron, and this is in chapter 10, verse 3 of Leviticus, that Moses said to Aaron, it is what the Lord spoke, saying, by those who come near me, because his sons offered strange fire and was struck dead, by those who come near me, I will be treated as holy, and before all the people, I will be honored. And some translations have honor the Lord in, in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, but I will be regarded as holy, I will be honored. So even in the Old Testament, they're not only called to be holy, but they're called to set them, not themselves apart, but make sure they recognize that he, and he's not just holy, He's holy, 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 Lord Christ God Almighty. Amen. He's transcendent, the uncreated creator of all things, the ontologically separate class of being God, you know, the humanity. And they would regard him as such and recognize he is radical, man. He's a consuming fire. So it's important to understand that we're supposed to be holy, separate from that which is evil. But you really can't understand what that even begins to mean until you recognize that he is holy. And we can't be ontologically holy in the sense that we're not created beings anymore. But we can mirror, we can shine, reflect, the holy, or as far as moral attributes of God and the fruit of the Spirit in our lives and so forth. And Jesus prayed in his high priestly prayer in John 17 that the Father would, uh, uh, for his disciples and for us, because he said only pray for them, his apostles, but also those who believe through the preaching of their word, which comes to us as well, uh, that they would be sanctified by your word. So as we get into God's word, we become sanctified, we become separate from the world. But at the same time, we need to recognize that he's saying that we need to recognize sanctify him as Lord in our hearts, that he is Lord. He is uh, God in our hearts. He is, there's no rival throne. Uh, we don't say, Lord, you're my co-pilot. Uh, you can intervene when things get, you know, things get really bad. I preached a message on this recently, and I mentioned uh, that, you know, and when 9-11 took place, you know, for about a week, the churches were full. And that's that kind of like, you know, uh, you know, foxhole religion. Well, man, I, but as soon as things, God, you don't have nothing to do with my life unless I really need you. That's not Christianity. Uh, Christianity is truly putting your trust in Jesus, truly following him. Uh, the It's not a matter of mental assent, you know, uh, just, oh, I believe in my mind. It's a matter of faith. It's a matter of trusting. It's a matter of following Jesus, putting him first, you know. Uh, the Bible says that the demons believe and tremble, but that's not true faith. The Bible says faith that works is dead, and they do believe and tremble. They have. They, in fact, when you go, as John Wesley said, I thought it was an interesting statement. He said, when you go to the Synoptic Gospels, he said, it's interesting, the demons appear pretty orthodox, meaning they understand who Jesus is, you know? Uh, I would, I think I added the word pretty because they're not ultimately orthodox, right? But he, he said that they, they, they're orthodox in their theology when they're freaking out, when they're seeing Jesus. But he says, but he goes on to say, but they don't have faith, you know? They don't really put their trust in the Lord. They don't follow him. Of course, he didn't die for them. They can't be saved and and they're totally given over to wickedness. Uh, but the point is that Wesley's making, and I think it's important, is that we need to make sure Jesus is Lord in our lives. And by sanctifying him as Lord, that means we set him up and then we enthrone him in our hearts. And we say, you know what? 
He is my master. I do what he says because Jesus said when he comes back, there'll be many who will be told to depart from him. He'll say, I never knew you. And he says, why? Because you, you know, you're workers of lawlessness. You didn't do the, the will of the Father. So that's imperative. No, amen. And I think one of the most important things, even, and you brought this out in the teaching you did uh, at our church, Blessed Hope Chapel, where you specifically mentioned just this idea of recognizing his deity. And I, I think that this is a huge thing for us to understand because there are so many cults out there. And I think it was Walter Martin would define a cult by those who would disrupt, basically, the the deity of Christ, those who deny the yeah. deity of Christ in some way and some facet. And and that's true. I, and, I, and I think that a lot of our apologetics come from there, first and foremost, having a right understanding of who Jesus Christ is from the Scriptures. And when you look over and over again, when it comes to even like the earliest hymns that we read, uh, in even in the Bible itself, Philippians yeah. chapter 2, right, starting verse 5. and 1 Corinthians see, 15. 1 Corinthians 15, you see death, deity resurrection yeah. over and over again it's so imperative it's right there at the top which brings us to our next point in the verse and this is going pretty fast i know we only got about seven minutes left so oh, just Lord. so you know so uh we're going pretty quick he didn't see oh never mind tony tells me there's five uh but uh you know this idea of giving a defense i think there's a lot of people that may not know what that all entails there so what do they mean by giving a defense for your faith okay yeah and the, the greek word there is a pretty cool word Apologia, or apologia, you can pronounce it either way. Uh, uh, that's where we get apologetics from, which, does, as you mentioned, Chad, it doesn't mean to apologize. Hey, I'm so sorry I'm a Christian, but i got to tell you this, you know. It actually means to make a defense for the faith, and it's from the compound word apo, which is preposition, means out from, and so forth. Not out from within, like ek, but uh, to move from to a certain point. And in this context, it means back, you know, the preposition back. And then log, logos, apologia. Uh, so you got logos in there too, which means to, to speak. Uh, uh, well, to speak is legeo, but logos is a message, a word. So it means to answer back a word or to, to, to give back a word, a response. Uh, so uh, we're all, and by the way, as I point out when I preached on this, is that this is, verse is not for apologists. It's for all Christians that all Christians are to be apologists. Yep. Uh, we're all supposed to have an answer. And I, I've told people, you know what? You don't have to freak out and say, you know what? Man, I don't know if I could actually give an answer because I'm not studied up enough. Well, you have a testimony. The blind man said, and they got frustrated with him because they said, I was blind, but now I see the one at the well, the Samaritan one at the well. The day she got saved, she went and witnessed to people, and people came to Christ after that. So don't be discouraged. You have a testimony. The most beautiful thing about your testimony is the greatest skeptics can't argue against it. Because when you know what Jesus has done in your life and how he's transformed you and how you could not overcome certain things until you came to Christ, it's the power of God to salvation, everyone who believes the Jew first, also the Greek, and you could testify who he is, what he's done. You grow in the knowledge of that, study, so show yourself approved. But praise the Lord, Paul said he used that word, 1 Corinthians 9, 3, this is my defense to those who would examine me, same word, use the word in 22, one of Acts, brothers and fathers, hear the defense that I now make before you, 1 Timothy 4, 13, he said, at my first defense, no one came, no one stood by me, Philippians 1, 7, he says in my imprisonment, he said that, uh, and in defense and confirmation of the gospel, I love Philippians 1.16, because Paul says he's set for the defense of the gospel. So we're all called to give an answer for the gospel. And I think that's very, very important. In fact, you know what we might do? Because there's so much meat here. And if you really are interested in sharing your faith, I would listen to the next part of this as well, because we're running out of time here, because we're going to get into the hope of the gospel is what he wants us to share. We're going to get into some other things as well. So, uh, but, but be ready. I mean, sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts. Put him first. 
That's the first step. Recognizing the context in Isaiah was the fear of things coming down and that they need to make sure the Lord was their dread and put him first and regard him as holy. Things are going to go down in this world that we live in. And if you want to be victorious in this world, if you want to overcome persecution, if you want to be able to share without fear and without cowering, if you want to be bold as a lion for the Lord Jesus Christ, you need to make sure you start by sanctifying, setting him up as an enthroned on the throne of your heart and make sure you get off. And the more you do that, the more when you go to First Peter, same thing, the context is persecution and not fearing, but sanctifying him as Lord in your heart. Just that first part of that verse is so huge. And I'd say 99% plus of Christians don't get it. They uh, And uh, the large percentage of those who understand we're supposed to defend our faith based on that verse don't get it. And we're missing the very first step. If you want to be a bold witness, you want to have courage and, and share with boldness, be prayed up and make sure you're bowed down, meaning exalting Christ as Lord in your heart. Amen. You've been listening to the Good Fight Radio Show brought to you by Good Fight Ministries. If you're blessed by this show and would like to partner with us, please consider visiting our Patreon page at patreon.com goodfight. Or you can write to us at P.O. Box 2202, Simi Valley, California, 93062. Or call us toll free at 1-866-JC-TRUTH. That's 1-866-528-7884. We hope you'll tune in next time on the Good Fight Radio Show.